reminder of that. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. I wanted to read all the way down through to the end of the chapter, but I I don't want to take that much time to do that. But I'm going to read several verses of Scripture today. But I want to talk to you on the thought of so much more. Those words, much more. And you'll notice in these verses as I read them, Paul uses this phrase, much more, five times in the remaining verses of Romans chapter 5. And anytime you see a repetition of words or a phrase, God is trying to get our attention and tell us something. But in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6, I love these verses of Scripture, such awesome, an awesome word from the Lord. He says, For when we were yet are still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God, don't you love those two words, but God. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, notice that, underline that if you're you're following me in the Bible or on your device, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, notice this, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, that's, that's good, but not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as, the, just as through one man, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to how many men? All men, because how many have sinned? All sinned. And verse 17, drop down to verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, here's that phrase again, those two words, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Drop down to verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, here we go, but where sin abounded, Grace abounded much more. Praise God. And I want to talk to you on that thought much more. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word today. We ask you to help us to minister the word to your people. Bring to our remembrance 
uh, that which you would have me to say to your saints today. Help me to feed this flock of God with your good, precious word today, that we'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of your mind. And we'll give you praise for all you do, for all you've done. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And amen. You know, there's a popular belief today, and I guess it's been around for quite some time, but there's, there's a belief that, that all people are just, that everybody in the world, everybody, most everybody is just basically good. That all people are just basically good. Not necessarily perfect, but, uh, but basically good. But you know, when you think about that, that belief is not in accordance with the Word of God or what the Bible teaches. And uh, that's what Paul is teaching here in, in the book of Romans, actually from Romans chapter 1 all the way through. And what he's, he's dealing with here in chapter 5 is that fact that, that, that in our natural state, mankind is not just good. I knew I'd going to get a lot of amens on this. But, uh, but the Bible does teach that it's the other way around, that, that humanity and people are generally bad. Basically, we're not, we're not good people who just occasionally say and do and think bad things, but, but, but people, the, 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 the hum, humanity is bad. Is, is is made up of bad people who try to do good and say and think good things. And uh, you know how it is, ladies and gentlemen, we don't, nobody has to try to do something bad. How many knows that? You don't have to try. I'm going to see if I can try to do something bad, but it's we have to try to do something good. I mean, if people are basically good, if everybody in the world's just basically good other than just a few bad apples, then, you know, why, uh, why do we have so many laws? Why do we have to lock our doors at night? Why is there so much crime and violence and evil and lawless, lawlessness that's in the world today? Why is the world in such a terrible condition and there's so much evil in the world? Well, I know people blame God for all of that, but can I tell you today that the evil and the sin and the corruption and everything that's going on in the world today, the murder and the rape and the, uh, the lawlessness in the world is not the fault of God. God is not doing that. It's not God's fault. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5 that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You see, God created man. He created man innocent and created man without sin. And God created mankind to have a relationship with him. That is the will of God. But rather than to accept God, man has chosen to reject God. Rather than to live for God, what happens? Most people just go on and the society goes on and we decide to live for ourselves. And from what I read to you here today and from what we know from Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, it doesn't make any difference. Chapter 4, chapter 5, it doesn't make any difference whether it's Jew, Gentile, bond, free, male, female, whoever it may be. Uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God according to the Bible. All of us, everyone is flawed and there is nobody that is perfect. We are all 
all in the same boat. And that is what Paul is telling us here in the book of Romans, that everybody, he said there's in chapter 3, there's none good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we know that to be a fact. But the big question that people ask is why? Why is, you, why is humanity in the condition that it's in today? Why is, are, are everybody flawed? Why does everybody just do wrong? Why can't there be just one person that would come along and that would break the mold and get it right all the time and never do anything wrong? Well, actually, there was one person that did that. Come on, amen. There was one person that broke the mold. There was one person that came and did everything right and never sinned one time. And how many know who that was? Can you shout his name today? Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. In all of human history, Jesus is the only human being who went through this life unscathed and unmarked by sin and moral failure. But why not the rest of us? What's wrong with everything? everybody else. Because when it comes to being perfect, when it comes to being that that perfect model person and doing everything good and everything right, we are all born losers. And see, our problem and the solution to that problem, we find right here, Paul mentions it here and talks about it in Romans chapter 5. The problem and the solution to the problem of sin is found in, in the names of two individuals in the names of two men, namely Adam and Jesus. And in this fifth chapter, we find this, the, 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 the problem of sin. We find the source of sin. But then we also have the remedy of sin. Come on, somebody. How many knows what the word gospel means? The word gospel means good news, doesn't it? It's used 90 times in the Word of God. The word gospel is used. And the Bible is the good news of Jesus Christ as our coming, as being our Savior and our Redeemer. And I'm glad for the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone and anyone who will believe. Amen? But the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news. And we love the good news and we proclaim the good news and we preach the good news. But but how many of you all know something? You, you need to understand something. There, there can be no good news unless there first is some bad news. Amen. There's got to be some bad news before you can have good news. And it's the bad news that makes the good news good. You've heard, you know, you've used that, that expression before. Well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. So which do you want first? I'll give you the bad news first. Well, that's what I'm going to do this morning. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And I'm going to give you the bad news first. And that's what Paul kindly did here is he gave them the bad news, but he 
also gave them the good news. And it's the bad news that makes the good news so good. And when you find out the bad news, and then you find out the good news of the gospel, it just makes you that much happier and want to shout that much more. When you find out where you were and the shape you were in and the mess that you were under and what Satan had done in your life, but then you find out what the good news is and what you can have in Jesus Christ, it just makes the good news so much gooder. Come on, somebody. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. But people don't like to hear the bad news because the bad news involves a word, a little, a little word that we nobody likes to hear, and it's the word sin. Sin is an old-fashioned word, and people don't want to hear the word sin. But the problem in the world today, the problem in the world today is sin. We have a sin problem in the world today. It's not the problem of the world today, listen, is not climate change. How many knows that? That's not what's wrong with the world today. The problem in the world today is, as I said before, it lies under in the state of wickedness and it's under the sway of the wicked one and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so people don't like to hear about sin, but sin is the problem and Jesus is the solution to the problem of sin. If I was to get up here this morning and just tell you about the problem of sin and didn't give you a solution, man, that would be bad news. But I'm here to give you some good news. Yes, there is sin. Sin is a problem. Sin is dominating people's lives today. But thank God there is a solution to the problem of sin, and His name is Jesus. Amen. Is it that the solution this is, is in a person, in Jesus Christ, and what Jesus has done for us at the cross of Calvary. Now, we can call sin whatever we want to call it, and people have a lot of different names for it today. They call it errors or mistakes or blunders or misjudgment, but the Bible calls it sin, and this world today is full of sinners. And so you'd say, Brother Ricky, well, why are we in such a mess? Why is it that man is not, mankind is not in, in inherently good? Why do you say that? That, that, that? that everybody in their natural state is inherently bad? Because the Bible tells tells us why, and the answer to that is found in this fifth chapter of Romans and in verse number 12. And I want you to look at verse number 12, because Paul gives the answer here in verse number 12, and he says this. He says, therefore, just as through one man, through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus sin spread to how many? to all men, and when he's talking about men, he's talking about mankind. He's talking about men and women, to all mankind. Sin spread to all men because all have sinned. What Paul is telling us there in that 12th verse is that we are sinfully infected by Adam. The world is in a fallen condition today. We're in a fallen world, ladies and gentlemen, because sin got into 
into this world through Adam and through the fall in the book of Genesis there in that Garden of Eden. Because Adam sinned. When Adam sinned, he infected the entire human race. He was acting as, as the federal head of the human race. We were in the loins of Adam before he sinned. And when he fell and sinned, and he lost his relationship with God and became, he, he received, he got that fallen sinful nature, that nature of Satan in his life when he committed that high treason against God. We were born, we are, we are of that stock of Adam, of that seed of Adam, and we are naturally born sinners when we come into this life. We aren't sinners. Listen, people are not sinners because we commit sin. We commit sin because we are sinners. And it was Adam's sin that infected every single person. So sin is not, and here's what you got to get a hold of. This is why everybody's got to be born again. Because sin is not just what we do. Sin is who we are. Are you hearing me? We're born into that position of, of, of being in sin. And we sin because, because be of being infected and defected the, by, by the sin and the fallen nature of Adam. Every child that's born into this world is born a child of, of that fallen, of, of, of Adam, of Adam's fallen race. I know we hear a lot of people say that, well, you know, everybody, and God is the father of everybody, and everybody is our children of God. But that's not the case. That's not true. Because everybody is not a child of God. Only those who can claim God, that can claim God as their father are those who have been to Calvary and received a new birth. We were born into this world sinners. We were born into this world lost. And that's why Jesus came and died on a rugged cross so that you and I could have a new birth and so that we could be born again and so that we could have a change in our nature and a change in our life. Come on, somebody, give him praise. Woo, hallelujah. So Adam sinfully infected and defected the entire human race in the fall. And that made humanity inherently sinners because we have inherited a fallen, sinful nature. We have a human nature. And then when we're born, we are born humans with a human nature, but also with that fallen, Adamic, sinful nature. The Bible calls it the sin nature. That's bad news. That's bad news because in Adam, the bad news is that in Adam, we lost everything. And Paul goes through it there in Romans chapter 5 and shows us what we've lost and what we are in Adam and outside of Christ. In Adam, he said in verse 6 that Jesus came and died when we were without strength. So in Adam, we lost our strength. We lost moral and spiritual strength. Do you know that an unsaved person cannot do what is right? I'm talking about when it comes to God's law. He can, an unsaved person cannot obey the law of God. Cannot keep the law and the commandments of God. 
That's why there was no, that, that, that's what the law was intended to do in the Old Testament. God, God gave the law to show them, to show them what his standard was, but it also showed them that it was impossible for them to keep the law. There was nobody that ever kept it perfectly. And the Bible says if you, if you, if you uh, break one of the commandments, you're guilty of the whole thing. So we were in quite a mess. There was no moral or spiritual strength in an individual's life to do what was right or to live right or to be good in that unsaved person, person's life. You can tell an unsaved person, well, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to quit this and you need to quit that. You need to give up the drink. You need to give up the drugs. You need to turn over a new leaf and do what is right. But guess what? That person cannot do that. They can't quit the drugs. Oh, you can put them in rehabilitation. You can send them through a 12-step program, and a very few will come through that and, and, and remain free. But I can tell you one thing. They can't because there's no moral strength there to quit it on their own. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need a new birth. That's what Jesus came to do was to break that power of sin and give us our moral strength back. Hallelujah. Come on somebody. It said that we, when we were without strength Christ died for the ungodly. So we lost that moral and spiritual strength in Adam and we became completely and totally powerless to live a Christian life. And we've got to understand this today, that the only way anybody can live a Christian life that, 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 and live a Christ-like life is not by what they can do or by their own power, or own ability, or own strength, because Paul himself even said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but it is not I that live it is Christ that is living in me hallelujah thank God for Jesus living on the inside amen hallelujah we lost our, our strength our spiritual and moral strength Adam became a slave to Satan and a slave to sin and so did everyone born of Adam and who were the sons of Adam we lost relationship and became enemies of God through the fall and deserved the wrath of God. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. That we were all born in sin, lost, alienated from God, under divine wrath, under divine judgment, without strength or power to do good, and without the power to free ourselves from sin's power. See, the law could show an individual what they were doing wrong, but there was no power in that law to free them from that sin or to give them strength or power to do what was right. They could see where they were wrong, and that's what Paul said every time I went to do good, evil's present with me. I wanted to do right, but I couldn't do right. And nobody today that is outside of Christ can keep that law. Amen. We can, we can make rules and regulations, but you, you know, you're saved through the blood of Jesus You're, you can't save yourself and let me tell you something else you can't sanctify yourself you can't save yourself and you can't live a holy righteous godly life just by keeping some rules and regulations we've been, we've been through that 
that down through the years in Pentecost. That if the, if the ladies won't cut their hair and they'd just wear the proper clothing and get rid of all your jewelry and do this and keep this this rule and that rule and this rule and that rule and then you, you'll be alright. You can't keep all them rules. It's not about keeping a bunch of rules. It's not about a bunch of regulations. It's about letting Jesus Christ come on the inside of your heart and life and live on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I've got to move on or I'll never get done. We are in trouble. The human race is. That's the bad news. But thank God there's some good news. Come on, somebody. The good news is even though we have been we have been in, infected by Adam's fall, morally and spiritually infected and defected by Adam's fall, we're born as sinners. The good news Paul brings out here is that we are spiritually corrected by Jesus and what He did for us at the cross. See, the good news, here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen. The good news is that the first Adam does not have the last say in what we are. Do I need to tell you that again? I said the first Adam does not have the last say in what we are. Because what we gain in Jesus, and here's the two words, what we gain in Jesus is much more than all that we lost in Adam. I've got to say it again. What we gain in Jesus is much more. Yeah, we lost a lot in the fall. We lost a lot through our identification with Adam. But what we gain back in Jesus Christ is much more. Not just a little more. Not just somewhat more. But much more than all that we lost through the fall of Adam. Come on, give him praise today. Amen. There are five times that Paul uses those two words much more in these verses of Scripture. Hallelujah. Amen. He says that that God in verse 8 through 10, He said much more having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Hallelujah. Then in verse number 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. When we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more. Somebody say that with me. Much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life verse number 15 says but the free gift is not like the offense for if by one man's offense many died much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace of that one man Jesus Christ has abounded unto many listen to me what Adam did to us Jesus came and comes to undo for us what Adam did to us Jesus has come to undo for us he undone everything that Adam done to those who will receive that free gift can I get an amen today
See, the gift that he speaks of is the gift of Jesus giving himself on the cross. It's that gift of him giving his life as our, as our sin offering, as our redeemer. See, what happened was that Adam brought, when Adam sinned, he brought us guilt. But Jesus' death brought us grace. Adam, Adam's sin ruined us. But Jesus' death has redeemed us. Adam's sin condemned us to eternal death. But Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection gives us eternal, everlasting life. There is no way that the first Adam, there is no way that what the first Adam did to us can be compared to what the second Adam has done for us. For the free gift of Jesus Christ and eternal life through him far exceeds the consequences of sin. If Christ died for us while we were sinners and he did, how much more will he do for us? All that are now saved, that are now redeemed, that are now reconciled, that are now children of God. When he done such a great thing for us when we were sinners, how much more will he do for us now that are we are his sons and daughters through the cross and through the blood of Jesus. Come on and give him praise today. Woo, hallelujah. I thank God for the good news of the cross of Calvary. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 17. I'm just going to skip a few places. Verse 17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one. Here's those two words again. Much more, those who receive, notice this, abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. How many knows what grace is? I know what grace is. One, two, three, four, five people. How many knows what grace is? Six. <laughs> I know we said, well, grace is God's unmerited favor. Yeah, that's true. But grace is the goodness of God, the favor of God extended to fallen man and given to us without us doing anything except believing in what Jesus has already done at the cross. See, if, the, if it comes through uh, by debt or by something you do, it's no longer grace. It's then it's works. And salvation doesn't come by works. And sanctification doesn't come by works. It comes by grace through faith in the proper object, with it, which is faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. Amen. I know we, have, we, we come up with a lot of things. Well, if you, if you will fast for three days... If you've got a problem with sin or you've got a problem with nicotine or you've got a problem with, 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 with doing something that you shouldn't do, well, if you'll fast for three or four days, that'll break that. Well, you know what? If that's the case, then Jesus didn't have to come. Is anybody here? Amen. Is there anything? There's nothing wrong with fasting. I believe we need to do a little more of that in our, in our Pentecostal churches. But it's not through that. Fasting will deny the flesh. Fasting will give, get you in a 
place where you can get closer to God, but fasting is not going to break the power of sin in your life because what breaks the power of sin in your life is the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did for you at the cross when he shed that blood and rose from the dead. Somebody needs to say amen. That's why he came. If we try to mix law, some kind of law with grace, we have, we have, we have, we have forfeited the grace of God in our life. You can't mix it. You can't mix works and law and grace together. It's either one or the other. You have fallen from grace if you think you can be justified by the works of the law. Somebody needs to give him praise today. Hallelujah. What's your, what's your regulations for being a member of Abundant Life Family Church? You need to get born again. Be saved. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, it's a gift, will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Now, now listen. Now it gets deeper and higher at the same time. Things are getting better and better and gooder and gooder here as Paul goes through this fifth chapter. As he starts out telling us what mess we're in. But then he begins to tell us what Jesus has done. And it's not just that Jesus' death, death and resurrection gives us life, in which it does. But it's much more than that. It's much more than that. Let me tell you something. As a born-again believer today, how many saved today? You, you, you're born again. Three, four. All right. Praise God. Give an altar call. <laughs> Amen. You know what I'm saying. You know me. I'm a I'm an audience participation preacher, right? Amen. But it's not just that Jesus' death gives us life. It's so much more. And it does give us life. Yes, it does. Our faith in his death and resurrection. We are more, listen to me, saints. You are more than just a survivor. You are more than just a Sinner saved by grace. You are more than just somebody who was born a sinner and, 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 and bound by sin that has put your faith in Jesus and He's forgiven you of your sins, but He leaves you in that condition. No, it's much more. You're not just a survivor, saints of God. But where once sin and death reigned over us, and here's, here's the great thing about our redemption through the cross of Christ, is that where once, one time, sin and death reigned over us and was our king and had dominion and lorded, lorded our lives, now the Lord has made it different. And He said that now that you are saved through Christ, much more those who receive abundance of grace and receive the gift and righteousness will not only just be forgiven and cleansed as good and wonderful as that is. And we talked about that justification a few weeks ago. As wonderful as that is. But He said you will also reign in 
in life, R-E-I-G-N, reign in life through one Jesus Christ. What he's saying there is this. Now, instead of sin reigning in your life, instead of sin lording it over your life, now that you are born again, and now that Jesus lives in you, and now that you have received His divine nature in you, you have been raised to another level as a new creature in Christ Jesus where sin does not reign and lord it over you but where you reign as a king in this life over the power of sin in your life in other words that sin nature no longer has control it no longer dominates you but you have now the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you that gives you life that quickens your mortal body that gives you the power to live a holy, godly, sanctified, set-apart life. You couldn't do that on your own. No rehab, no amount of rehabilitation can do that. But Jesus can. Somebody was talking to me the other day about 12-step program. I said, I believe it's a one-step. It's one-step. What is that? Giving your heart to Jesus. Repenting of sin and just calling on the name of the Lord and being saved. Hallelujah. Placing your faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Alcohol will fall out. Praise God. Drugs will turn loose. Come on, somebody. I told you, you know, before I got saved, my goodness, my, my vocabulary was atrocious. I mean, my language was terrible. I Sometimes I'll be at somewhere and be around somebody that's just cussing one breath after another, and I'm thinking, my Lord, their language is bad. And I thought, well, you know, you used to be that way at one time too. But there was something about it. Brother Bob, when I got up from that altar that day, I didn't have to try not to cuss. I didn't have to try just to say good words. But there was something that happened on the inside of me that that foul, filthy, unclean, ungodly language was gone. Come on, somebody. I didn't want to go out and party that next night. I didn't want to go get a 12-pack or a, or a half pint or a pint. I wanted to go back to the house of God. What was reigning in me now was Jesus Christ as my King and my Lord. I'm trying to stand still, but I can't. I told somebody here when I preached up there in Jefferson City, I said, <laughs> I said, I've tried. Believe me, I've tried. I've tried to stand still. I've told them I'm going I'm to stand behind this pulpit and I ain't moving. I'm going to act like my feet are cemented in a block of concrete and I can't move. Oh, about that time, I'll get a hold of something good, and I can't stand still. I've got to shout a little bit. I've got to praise God. When you think about everything that you have and what Jesus has done for you, you're going to want to praise Him. Amen? Woo, no longer a slave to sin. Because of Adam, we were born slaves to sin, but through Jesus, we are redeemed from being Slaves to sin. We've been elevated to a throne of grace and reign in righteousness. We reign in righteousness with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus 
with the key of grace. And again, I'm not telling you, okay, you got to quit this and quit that and stop this and stop that. No. Because you can't. You can't. Uh -oh. Will you quit? Will you quit the sin business when you get saved? Yeah. Because you, it's not you doing it, but because you'll have a new nature that won't want to do those things anymore. I drink all the whiskey I want to. Well, that got everybody's attention. You know what the difference is, though, Brother Terry? I just don't want to anymore. See, I know there's some here who never had a problem with alcohol. I wasn't one of those. I had a problem. I don't know how much genetics are in that. I know it all stems from the fall of Adam, but members of my family have had problems with alcohol. I, I've told you before. I've told you before, this sipping saint stuff, you know, where, oh, it's okay, you know, for Christians just drink a little bit. I can't, I can't abide by that or go to that because I've never seen alcohol do anything good in my family, in my life. I've never seen it do anything good. Oh, hallelujah. But I'm so glad when I got saved. I didn't have to figure out, well, now instead of ten drinks, I can have five. Amen. Amen. No. It's just, I got up from that altar and it was gone, Brother Joe. I didn't want ten. I didn't want five. I didn't want one. I didn't even want to smell of the stuff. Come on, amen. Oh, now what's happened? We're reigning in this life as kings. There's a freedom from the slavery and the bondage of sin. That Jesus has made us free with that key of grace. He's unlocked the shackles of sin and death that enslaved and imprisoned us and he has freed us from being slaves and made us kings and rulers in righteousness through the power of the gospel of Jesus. Go ahead and give him praise today. Woo! Yes, we've been sinfully infected by Adam but we have been much more spiritually corrected by Jesus. I'm going to close. First and only closing, okay? We won't even circle the runway today. We'll just bring this, we'll bring this baby in. Look at verse 19 and 20. Romans 5, 19 20. For as by one man's disobedience, many, which he's speaking of all, he's already said that in the context, Many are all were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience. Who's that? That's Jesus, right? Becoming obedient to the death of the cross. And your faith in that. By one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But look at this. Last phrase of verse 20. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Where your sin abounded, God's grace abounded much more. Adam's disobedience resulted in the definite universal condemnation of all people. But Jesus' obedience... 
resulted in the potential justification of all people. Some people have tried to take this and teach universalism. You know what universalism is? It means that everybody's already saved and they don't even have to accept Jesus, but that Jesus' death on the cross automatically saved everybody and everybody's going to heaven and that even the devil's going to go to heaven and be saved. Well, can I tell you that's false doctrine? That's doctrines of demons. That's doctrines of devils. The price has been paid for all the world to be saved, but there has to be a personal acceptance of Jesus Christ in that individual's life for that to take place in their life. You can't reject Christ and receive the benefits. But the obedience of Jesus resulted in that potential salvation and justification for all who will believe. And what Adam did to us all, what Adam did to every one of us, Jesus can undo that in everyone's life who will accept Him as their Lord and Savior. And what Paul is telling us over and over and over in this chapter is that Adam's sin, Adam's sin and Adam's fall is no match for Jesus' death and resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. Our sin is no match for God's grace. I'm not talking about, you know, you know this, I'm not talking about that hyper-grace teaching that, that allows people to live any lifestyle they want to and say it doesn't matter whether you live right or sin or what you do, grace automatically covers it. It says that you don't even have to ask for forgiveness. It says you don't even have to repent. But I'm not talking about that. That's false doctrine as well. But I'm talking about receiving Jesus and the abundance of His grace in your life. That grace will empower you. It's not only grace that, that forgives sin. It's not only grace that washes from sin, but it's grace that is greater than all my sin. It's grace that empowers me to live free from sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, this is I'm still on my first closing. Okay? The word abound is used three times in verse 20. Verse 20, he said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense, may, the offense may, might abound, and where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So he uses the word abound three times in that verse. But there's two different, there are two different Greek words that are used. The word that is used for sin abounding simply means this. It means much or many, to increase or exceed. That's the word, Greek word used for abound when it refers to sin and transgression. But the word that is used for grace abounding is a different Greek word, and it means to overflow, to be far more than enough, to be an extreme, super abounding increase. An extreme, come on, yeah, that deserves a praise to the Lord. Woo! Yeah, sin abounded, yeah. Sin increased, sin exceeded. 
But grace abounded, and the word there means grace overflowed. And grace was far more than enough. It was extreme, super abounding increase of grace. In other words, the sin in your life can never stop. If you pl- when you place your faith in the finished work of Jesus and accept Him as your Lord and Savior, the sin in your life, the dam of sin in your life can never stop the flood of God's grace. That overflows in your life when you come to Jesus and make Him the Lord of your life. Amen? Hallelujah. There's no sin that He will not forgive. There's no sin that He will not cleanse. But there is also no sin that is too bad or too strong or too powerful. But what grace will abound and break its power and give you enablement to live free from that power of darkness and that power of sin. Amen. We're not preaching a grace that turns grace. You know, the Bible said that there's those that are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. No, grace teaches us to deny ungodly and worldly lusts and to live righteously and soberly in Christ Jesus, free from the contamination of the world. And grace enables us in us to give us that ability to do that. It overpowers. It overpowers that sinful, fallen nature of Adam. Where sin flows, grace overflows. Where sin may reign, grace floods. And when sin meets God's grace, sin always loses. And grace always wins. Because God's grace superabounds with much more, with much more, with much more on top of anything sin can bring. That, ladies and gentlemen, is total and complete victory over sin. It's God's enabling grace that is greater than all of my sin. It's God's grace lavishly flowing only as our faith is in the cross and what Jesus has done there. So that as sin, verse 21, as sin has reigned to death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Worship team, come on, make your way back, please. See, here's the bottom line. I guess this is my second closing. The bottom line is this. This is what Paul is trying to say in this fifth chapter. This is what I've been trying to explain to you, and I hope by the help of God that you, I, I was able to help you understand it a little bit, but it, it seems too good to be true. But this is what Paul is saying. We are all born losers in Adam, but we can all be born again winners in Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 